This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's turn to the Gospel of John chapter 3 this morning. John chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 14 to verse uh, 20, when Nicodemus came to Jesus and he wanted to know how to have eternal life, and he did not know. And Jesus said, you are the master in Israel and you don't know how to be born again. Uh, that was um, prophesied in the book of Ezekiel and in, in Jeremiah, that I will put my spirit in you, uh, my law within your heart. So he did not know uh, the word of God, how to be born again new spirit. So Jesus uh, wanted to tell him how to be born again. In verse 14, he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So Jesus said, this is the condemnation. What is the condemnation? That if you reject that light, that's your condemnation. You are condemned already because you love darkness rather than light. So God created Adam and Eve, and uh, he created them in his own image. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we read, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them. In his own image, because God is holy, and he wanted Adam and Eve to reflect that holiness. God is love, and he wanted Adam and Eve to reflect that love to the world. God is righteous. God is just. God is pure. And so he created man to reflect that qualities that God has. But sadly, they failed. They could not reflect that holiness and righteousness. They disobeyed against God. And, uh, and if we come to, uh, to Noah's time, that the Bible tells us that the earth was full of violence. Not only they did not reflect the holiness and righteousness of God, but it was violence and people were killing each other and, and all kinds of evil that they were doing. And God, God wiped out all the humanity, all, all animals, only eight souls got saved out of the flood. And... We, we come a little bit further, and, and in the book of Exodus, we, uh, we see that God appeared to Moses, and 
he wanted to uh, he wanted to deliver his people God chose a nation through Abraham Isaac and Jacob and they went to Egypt for 430 years they were there as slaves and and God wanted to deliver them and he made a covenant with his people so he wanted to uh, choose a nation that they, this nation Israel would reflect his attributes to the world in Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 through verse 6 now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed uh, speaking to Israelites and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all, all the earth is mine and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation kingdom of priests priests was to to serve God and serve people they were represented of God to man and man to God so people could not come in the presence of God by themselves to, to worship God they needed somebody a mediator a high priest had to help them to to get closer to God so they needed a mediator he said if you obey my voice I'm gonna make you to be my peculiar treasure I'm gonna value you will be my treasure and then you're gonna be unto me a kingdom of priests that means I'm gonna use you as a nation that you would serve the world that all the world would come to me you're gonna get them my word you're gonna teach them and you'll be holy nation God wants his people and his his nation to be holy so that he can use them so God gave them commandments uh, in order to go to that promised land to dwell there to serve God they had to destroy the Canaanites and some people say wow destroy the Canaanites what kind of God is this instead of uh, giving life he wants lives to be destroyed well Archer uh, about this uh, passage he mentioned he said in the view of corrupting influence of the Canaanites religion especially with its religious prostitution and infant sacrifice it was impossible for pure faith in faith of uh, Jews and worship to be maintained in Israel except by the complete elimination of the Canaanites themselves at least in those areas which the Hebrews were able to occupy they were so wicked and uh, Bible tells us that uh, for the iniquity of Amorites were, was not full yet uh, God was very long-suffering very patient with this Amorites and Canaanites that they were uh, killing their own babies like abortion that we have today and uh, they were committing fornication immorality and God was patient but God's patience is limited it comes to a certain place that God say enough is enough he says that enough is enough and he wants to destroy he uses his people and God himself he has been uh, intervening through the history he has uh, brought a lot of persecution and and destruction around the world God judges and he's right he's righteous God and he's able and he has every right to judge people so they were so wicked and for the Jews to to dwell with them in the land they could be defiled with their immorality and false worship and God wanted to destroy them so that they can stay there 
to be holy, to serve only God, not other uh, gods like Molech, that they pass their children, their infants, through the fire to offer their children to this Molech, Canaanite god. So they had to destroy the Canaanites first, to stay there, to, to be holy nation, to serve God only, and then, number two, they had to obey God's commandment and surrender to His will. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 to 8, we read, He said, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. This is Moses speaking to his people. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. This word of God, the law that God has given me, it's your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. He said, the people will see you. They'll say, because of the law that you have, which is so righteous, holy, they'll say, Surely this nation is, uh, this is your wisdom and your understanding. And uh, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Verse 7, for what nation is there so great who has God so nigh unto them? as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for. In Islam, Allah is so far away. We are His slaves that we have to do our obligations five times a day. Uh, so He is so far away. We are not His friends. But God of the Bible, He came down so many times. He appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He appeared to Moses. He spoke to them as two friends. So nigh to people. And um, God led them through the pillar of fire and cloud. And they'll see how God is uh, leading you. They'll see that our God is so nigh to us. And verse 8, And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? So righteous. He said, this law, the Bible is so righteous. they their law, their religious books and everything that they had back then in Canaan, it was so wicked. They allowed you to kill your babies and commit fornication and, and all uh, kind of immorality. But Israelites, they had holy and righteous law that God gave them. And number three, they had to be a light to the Gentiles. They had to reflect that love and light, that God is light to the nations. In Isaiah 49, verse 6, we read that, it said, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Judah and Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So Israel had to be a light to the world. But this prophecy, they failed. So God promised that he's going to send his servant. This servant is a humble servant, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to give you a light to the Gentiles. That Dame is singular. It's Jesus Christ speaking about God the Son. That Dame is be my salvation where? Unto the end of the earth. So thank God that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. So this is the map of Israel. You see that little land. Uh, 
a very small country and God chose Israel to be the light all around them to all nations to teach them God's word so that people can come closer to God to worship the true God and have eternal life and come out of darkness but they failed they had religious uh, rituals and everything they had uh, candle you know candlestick and everything in their uh, rituals and they worshiped but it was all outward practices their hearts were so far away from God they did not worship God truly and um, so John 3 19 we read that it is a condemnation that light is coming to the world so that prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled through Jesus Christ and man loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil you say that Jesus came why that so many people have rejected him that they don't come to Christ because of the darkness which is through Satan Satan is the prince of uh, uh, the air and power of darkness and uh, John 8 12 Jesus said then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So God is not forcing anybody to, to worship him by force, but he has given us freedom, free will to choose him, to, to seek God. And if you seek God, you'll find him. But so many people are just trusting these religions and they they uh, obey what these religious people teaches them and they don't know the true God. They don't know Jesus Christ. In, I'm going to give you two countries, India and, and Iran, uh, that in India, there is a caste system. This caste system is like hierarchy. If you go to the next slide, there is gods. They believe in polytheism. Many gods that they have, millions of gods they are in India. And this hierarchy, caste system, the top one, you've got Brahmin, which is priests and academics, those um, religious who are closer to God. They are so holy, so-called. And academics, rich people, they are kind of um, Brahmin. They are so respected by people in India. And then you've got Kshatriya, warriors and kings, or kings, Khan, they call it Khan, Shah Rukh Khan. They are the ones that they lead villages and countries and tribes. They are like a master, a boss, and warriors. They are, again, they have hierarchy. They are like um, respected by so many people. And then you've got Vaishya, merchants, landowners, businessmen. These are the people that are called the third, third level. And then you've got Sudra, just common people, peasants and servants they are common people but then the next one is untouchable untouchable are the people who are called outcast out of caste or street sweepers and and these are the people that you can't touch them they are so poor and rejected and despised of so so many people in India that you're not allowed to touch them and they're not allowed to touch you if they touch you You'll be defiled and, and uh, you might be poor. They think that if, if they touch us, we might be poor. We might uh, be also in that category. 
So they are untouchable. They, are, they feel so unloved. That's why they can't go to religious festivals and worship services. They, they're pretty much like lepers in the Old Testament. Outcasts, unlovable. Imagine you are one of them. You are so despised. In so many third world countries, we have this hierarchy. Even in, in Iran, I remember as a uh, maybe 9, 10 years old, because I'm coming from a family which was kind of poor, and uh, I had in summer I had to work to make some money, to save up some money so that, so that I can pay for my school. So in summer I was selling like figs on the street, and I was feeling so embarrassed. By I had to do it because my dad couldn't afford to pay for my school and everything. So I had to make some money to save up some money to pay for my school. And I was seeing other students taking vocation, going to uh, in other city, you know, enjoying their time. But I was, I was like selling figs and, and toys on the street. People were seeing me, all uh, my classmates were seeing me, and I was feeling so ashamed and embarrassed because th there is hierarchy, like caste system in Iran, in so many other countries. And um, so in, in India, these people are so unloved. And nobody cares for them. And if they touch you, you are allowed to punish them and sue them, take them to jail. You know, they, they need the love of God. Imagine to go there and, and hug them and uh, share the gospel with them. Give them food because they are so poor. And you can, you can tell by their clothes that they wear. So this is caste system in India. And then there is another group called Agori. In India, how many of you have heard about agoris? Almost nobody. Agori. These are the religious people. Their practices is just horrible. Agori meaning agori is the one who is fearless and does not discriminate. Now it sounds good, but so what is that that doesn't discriminate? And you're gonna see that. What does that mean? Agoris are devotees of Shiva manifested as uh, Bhairava and monists who seek moksha from the cycle of reincarnation or samsara. Uh, and they have to, they must learn from their teachers. They have like teachers like imams, religious clerks, clerks, and they have to learn from them and do what they say. They have to be obedient. They believe that God exists in everything. Therefore, Nothing is unholy. Pantheism. God is in, in the pulpit. God is in, God is in the phone. God is in my shoes. I can stand on God. God is in everything. That means nothing is unholy. What does that mean? That means uh, part of their ritual is eating up rotten human flesh. Why? Because it's holy. Nothing is unholy. It's part of ritual that they eat rotten human flesh. And they also look for rotten or leftover food on the streets to eat. They drink animal urine because it's, it's holy. Nothing is unholy true, uh, because, uh, uh, by this doctrine that they believe. They burn the dead bodies and use the ashes to apply on their bodies during meditation. They use the skull of the dead body. You saw the picture. He was holding the skull. As a food bowl to eat food from it. They put the food in that skull of a human skull. They eat food from it. 
and uh, the intoxication and smoking is part of their rituals that helps them come out of this world to connect to the spirit world. They connect to a spiritual world, to God. <laughs> Imagine, Bible tells us not to, uh, they that drink wine is not wise, and they're not wise, and, but they connect to a spirit world. And one of their rituals is sexual intercourse with dead human bodies. Imagine your, your mom dies. You can have sexual in intercourse with your mom, mom's uh, dead body. This is so wicked. It's so dark. In India, there are so many different religions like this. Millions. I don't know how many millions of gods they have, but I heard that there are like three million gods there. Different religions. And they, these people are deceived. They live in darkness, and uh, they are so devout, so committed. Look at this man. Interview with this man. He said, this body and this life is not mine. It all belongs to goddess, Kam Kamkaya. This is the uh, Yoni Pith of the goddess. <laughs> we come here to offer everything to her. If we do not offer her anything, we won't receive anything from her. We come here to offer peace to the goddess, and in return, she grants us prosperity and well-being. And that is what we give to the world. They don't give anything to the world. And, and uh, they don't receive prosperity through that goddess, most of these people are poor, and they believe that if we offer uh, our offerings and whatever they do, this goddess will give us peace and prosperity, and they don't have that prosperity. So this is India. You see, it's so dark, and they need light. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world. In, in Iran, my country, I, I grew up there and doing all these rituals, and there is a day called Day of Ashura in Iran. This day, it's a day when third Imam, third successor. This is not Allah or Muhammad. This is the third successor after Muhammad. He died in a battle because of you know battle that they had Muslims had with infidels. So he died for the cause of Islam. On that day, they people go on the street and they. They do everything. Uh, so they cry. They beg this imam to forgive their sins and to heal them, uh, to take away their disease and everything. So you see people are just crying on that day. I can't stand it anymore. I used to be part of those people. I was standing among these people crying, begging imam to have mercy. And they were telling us, if you shed one drop of tear, on that day, that imam will give you a land in heaven. So people are, you see, genuinely, they just, they believe that if you pray, he's going to heal your uh, disease and he's going to uh, forgive your sins. And uh, they use different tools like chains to do self-harming. And I used to do that. Some people, they, they put some, uh, like, knives at the end of chains and they hit on their back and blood comes out and these pictures are so bad and I shouldn't have put that on the slides but I'm glad that there are no there are no kids here and they go into muds they put muds on all over their body as a as a mourning like a humiliation they beg that imam third imam to have mercy on them 
Look at the people. They, they've been mocked by Satan. Satan creates these uh, different religions and he mocks people. Do you think God wants us to do that? <laughs> and look at these people. They are so dedicated. They, they use sword to step on head. By doing that, they think that that imam, the third imam, will have mercy on them. Even the babies, like infant, you see that little boy? I think he's like Gabriel, three months old. His dad is uh, using knife to step on his head because they think that that's good. He's going to be religious and, and Allah will bless my baby. They are so devout and so deceived by Satan. Uh, this world is so dark, my friends. So many countries, and the missionaries have been to so many countries, they can tell you that uh, their religions are so weird. They, they have so many spiritual but dark, dark practices they, they have. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 18, we read, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. So Apostle Paul is telling Christians, he said, don't walk like as Gentiles walk, how they live, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding dark, darkened. Why do you think that these people are using sword to step on head, the blood comes out, and they harm their bodies? Why do, you, why do they do that? Because their understanding is, is darkened. They can't understand. They can't think logically. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. They are ignorant because of the blindness of their heart. Satan has blinded their heart and mind that they don't see it. They can't think logically. And in Psalm 119 verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Those people are deceived. They can't think logically. And what do they need? They need this book. They need the Bible. The entrance of thy words giveth light. This gives light to those people. I was one of them. I was among those Muslims uh, using chain, hitting on my back and doing self-harming that I was thinking that I'm pleasing Allah, that he's going to have mercy on me when I die. Because of fear, I did that. Because they scare you that if you don't do that, Allah is going to send you to hell. So you are kind of forced by fear to to join these people and do self-harming. But the entrance of thy words giveth light. First time when I read this book, I just knew that there is power in this book. There is something in this book that I desperately need. I read it hours and hours every day. Uh, so many hours, I didn't want to put it down because it was just speaking to me. I read through the Bible in one month because it was so powerful. It was there was light in it. The light was entering into my mind and into my heart, and it changed my life forever. So somebody had to give me this light. I'm glad the pastor Keith Piper in Australia, he shared that light with me. He gave me the gospel, and, and I was uh, convicted, called upon the name of the Lord, and he saved my soul. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Those people around the world are so simple. They don't understand it, why they, why they practice that kind of rituals. That they, they get this body, a dead body, 
They get this skull, they use this skull to eat food of it, and the dead body, they commit uh, immorality, sexual intercourse. What kind of God is this filthy God that they serve? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 6, our theme verse, in whom the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen. We preach Jesus Christ. We don't preach humanism or, or uh, philosophy or, or science. We preach the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the light. He changes our lives. So that's our job. All of us are commissioned to preach Jesus Christ, uh, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God who commandeth the light to shine out of, out of darkness, has shined in our hearts already. He has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God has given us that light. He has shined, out of the, he has shined in our hearts, but he wants us to give that light to others. He, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He is, but he gives us that light to, to share so to shine in darkness, what do we need to do? Well, you need to destroy the works of the flesh as Israelite had to destroy the Canaanites because they were so wicked, they had to destroy, wipe out from the land so that they could stay there and serve the Lord only, to be holy nation. So in the New Testament, we have the same principle. We have to destroy the works of the flesh, put away sins, and uh, put out put off that old clothes, the old nature that we have, which is wicked, that we used to do. And we have to put on the new man. And number two, as Israelite had to obey God's commandment, we have to obey God's commandment and surrender to his will. So first of all, we need to get saved and to live a holy life, destroy the, the works of the flesh, and obey God's commandment. And number three, be a light. Take the gospel to people. Israelite failed to be a light to the Gentiles. Why? Because they rebelled against God and they did not have the Holy Spirit to empower them to be light, but God has given us the Holy Spirit. I know that you are uh, not so strong, you are weakened, and uh, you can't serve God, but God has given, uh, given you a power that you can speak up. He gives you boldness when you pray. He can empower you to share the gospel and you, know, you don't have to be fearful because God has not given us the spirit of fear. That comes from Satan. God has given us the spirit of uh, power and love and of sound uh, wisdom and sound mind, not mind without understanding. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse, uh, 5, verse 14 to 16, he, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on and heal cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. All that are in the house, like all people in the world, you are the light. You have to let that light shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we have to use that light that God has given us to take that light to India, to Iran, to other places around the world. In India, as I mentioned, untouchable. This caste system, untouchable. They are so despised. They think that 
Uh, they believe in, obviously, incarnation, uh, reincarnation. They believe that when they die, well, this life, there is no hope. I am what I am now. But maybe next life, when I come back to this life, maybe I'm going to be better. I'm going to have a better life. So there is no hope. They think that they're going to be like that uh, forever. Like, like Not forever, but for this life. So there is no hope at all. Imagine to take that hope, that light, and share that with them. They'll, they're going to come out of that mindset. They, they can see that, hey, you can't have hope. You can't have eternal life. And you don't have to stay in that situation and uh, have good understanding. So we need to share that light that God has given us. This couple, uh, Muhammad and his wife Behnaz, and so many of you probably heard about them, but probably you haven't seen the pictures of them. So that's Muhammad and Behnaz. Uh, they, had, they had like kind of Uber taxi that you have, kind of that. They have that business. And my brother uh, was looking for a job, and uh, he went to their, uh, their um, you know, their office, looking for a job, and he hired my brother. So my brother uh, told them, because I led my brother to the Lord seven years ago, so my brother told them about me having an online class. He said, if you are interested in Christianity, you can join my brother's class. So they joined my class, and um, I taught them, I discipled them, and Behnaz got saved first. She prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Savior. And uh, then, Muhammad, after two months, I think, he got saved as well. Both of them got saved, and they were growing uh, just so fast. God was blessing them. I could see that these couple are so different. They always, they try to share Bible verse. They try to share with me how God has blessed them. And uh, they were growing so fast. And one day, I heard from Behnaz, she called me crying. I said, what happened to you? She said, uh, she said I, I was arrested. And I said, what happened to you? She said that uh, two ladies uh, came from, from authorities, from the government, came to my, she had her dress in salon. So she was working there, and these two ladies from the government, these Muslim ladies came, and, and they took her to a police station for interrogation. And uh, so she went there, and uh, they said that you have converted to Christianity and you've been witnessing to others. You've been telling Muslims about Christianity. You want to, you know, corrupt the way of Islam, way of Allah. And um, so her father came to the police station, and her father had a friend who had, uh, who had a friend, uh, who was very powerful in the government. He was one of the officials. So he, he called the police, police station and he said to them, let her go, don't put her in jail. They wanted to send her to jail, to stay there. And after 10 days, she had to go to a court to, you know, to look at her case, to see if she is truly a Christian or a Muslim. Uh, so she was released, but she had to go to court. She said, I, had to, I have to go to court in 10 days. And she said that on the way with her dad, they were going home. And my dad was confused because she didn't tell her dad that she has converted to Christianity. It was already like five, six months that she was a Christian. 
But because of fear, her father is very religious Muslim. She didn't tell them that she's a Christian. And on, on the way, her father asked, did you, what is that, what, what happened to you? Did you convert to Christianity, really? And so they arrived home, and, and um, Behnaz said to her father, she said, I grew up as a Muslim, and I was forced to read the Quran. I was forced to pray in Arabic, and I don't know Arabic. I never chose to follow Allah or to be a Muslim. I was forced to do that. But it's been, it's been a while that I've been studying. I want to research to see what other people believe, what their religions are. So I, I was reading the Bible. What's wrong with researching? And uh, she said, I start reading the Bible, and any time I read the Bible, God was changing me. I knew that God was speaking to me. And I chose on my own will, I chose to, to follow Jesus Christ, and he has changed my life. And uh, she, she got a knife from the kitchen. She said, take this knife, Dad, and if you want to kill me, you kill me. I don't want to go to jail to be killed by those wicked Muslims in jail. So, but I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny my Lord. She was just su such a, uh, she had such a boldness that she, she said, I didn't know what happened to me on that day. I was hiding. I was so fearful that my dad might know that I'm a Christian. But on that day, she said, I brought knife. I, I had this kind of boldness. I don't know what happened to me. I said, well, Holy Spirit, his job is to give you power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And uh, so her father was speechless. He didn't know what to say. He didn't want to kill his daughter. So, uh, and then this is Behnaz. And I, she said, I don't know what to do now. It's, it's, I've got 10 days to go to, to court. And I said, look, you've got two options. You have to confess the Lord Jesus, tell them that you're a Christian, or deny Jesus. And I said, I don't want to deny Jesus. I don't want to deny my Lord to say, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Muslim. I won't do that. Jesus say, said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. I don't want to deny Jesus. And, uh, but if you confess that you're a Christian, you'll be in trouble. I know that in, in Iran, there is this uh, jail called, um, uh, what do you call it? Evan, Evan Jail. It's so wicked. They punish you. And if you are a lady, they rape you. And at the end, they kill you in the jail. And nobody knows what happened to you. I said, if you go there, they're going to do everything to you. Don't go to, uh, don't go to uh, court to confess that you're a Christian. Just flee the country. Get out of country quickly. Because that's what they finally did. Both of them, they left the country. They went to Turkey, and they are in Turkey. It's been over a year now. And they serve the Lord uh, there in Turkey. They have been joining my class. They, they have grown so much that about two weeks ago, I asked Muhammad to, uh, to help me to teach my class on Wednesday. Because now I have a class on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. So I asked him to lead that Wednesday Bible study, and he did that last two, three weeks ago. Because I know that he's, God has, uh, has, has, can use him. Because I could see that how he always shares 
the, and the, the Bible verses and testimonies. God is, has grown in so, so much. So I asked him, and he's been leading that. So God has been so good to us. You, look, just sharing the gospel through media from here to Iran has changed this couple's lives. And now they have led so many people to Christ already in Turkey. Why? Because it's, it's a commission that God has given us. And that's what we have to do. And we have to share the gospel that Muslims like this sweet couple, they came out of that, out of that darkness. They don't have to cry anymore. A big imam, a man, that they were trusting imam just like me, a man that they would have mercy on them and forgive their sins, which is not possible. Only God can forgive your sins and give you eternal life in Jesus Christ. So would you take this challenge to, to be a light? Uh, we live in a dark world. Satan is working hard 24 hours, but we Christians are, uh, we, we are so comfortable, especially in the West, in America. And uh, we don't want to serve the Lord. We don't want to be a light. We get offended easily. Uh, let's come out of that mindset, and we would understand that people are going to hell every second that we would be light and to be willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me, please send me. I want to go to any country that you want, India or Thailand or any country that you want. Would you lead me? And he will use you. He is looking for a man to stand in the gap. He always looks for a man. But if you answer that call from the Lord, he'll call you, he'll use you mightily. And you can imagine how he'll bless your ministry. So let's pray. Father, we Thank you, Lord, for the light that you have given us, Lord, that you have transformed us from the power of darkness into your, the kingdom of your, uh, your son, the glorious, that is light there, Lord. You've given us light. So, Lord, would you help us to, to be a light, just small light, to shine, to be a blessing to the few people or to more people as you use us, Lord. So help us to answer your call to take that gospel and share with people who have no hope, who feel so unlovable, and that they would have mercy and have eternal life, that they would find hope. So bless us, Lord, as we answer your call. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.